If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of July 21st, 2020. The podcast that's sitting on the dock of the bay. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's remonstrate the news of the bogus. Back when the COVID-19 epidemic started, I covered stories about how we need to be careful about the interventions we take because those can have side effects that may be as bad as what the virus can do. Since then, we've covered several stories showing the toll the COVID interventions could be taking, and now we've got another one. Experts in the UK are warning that delays in cancer diagnosis and treatment could result in an extra 35,000 cancer deaths that otherwise would have been prevented with early intervention. There have been 45,000 deaths in the UK from coronavirus. That means that this one intervention alone could result in over three-quarters the amount of deaths caused by COVID-19. All of the others combined wouldn't have far to go to put it over the top for the interventions to cause more deaths than the virus itself. The NHS, in the name of fighting the pandemic, has been putting the kibosh on routine cancer screenings, urgent referrals, and treatments to give hospitals more of an opportunity to deal with COVID patients. The Healthcare Research Hub for Cancer modeled various scenarios for hospitals getting back to routine levels of care and came up with the disturbing scenario. Brickbats to the BBC. Their headline reads, Coronavirus could cause 35,000 extra UK cancer deaths, experts warn. That is wrong. It's stating that it's SARS-CoV-2 itself that is causing cancer. It isn't. This is due to how the UK health services is responding to the pandemic. According to lead researcher Professor Mark Lawler, quote, Initial data that we got was very worrying to us. Anecdotally, people have been telling us there were problems. But I think the critical thing was being able to actually have routine data from hospital trusts. Obviously, scientists like to be in the right in terms of their analysis, but I hope I'm wrong in relation to that. According to clinical oncologist Professor Pat Price, quote, The guidelines for radiotherapy in COVID-19 advised people to delay and avoid radiotherapy in some circumstances. I think it was a very high-risk strategy. And she said that radiotherapy machines were, quote, lying idle, which could have saved lives. It has been safe to give radiotherapy during COVID-19. We know that now. The machines are here, but we haven't been allowed to switch them on properly. Peter Johnson, a director for the NHS who was responsible for drawing up the COVID-19 guidelines, said that they hoped to get services back to normal by the end of the year. The problem is, the number could easily double by that time. He said, quote, This wasn't a kind of attempt to police who should have treatment and who shouldn't. It was more an attempt to try and help people think very clearly. Well, you weren't thinking clearly, were you, Johnson? No, you were just jumping on the fear-mongering bandwagon instead of taking rational steps to make sure that people could be protected from COVID while services continued. You didn't even consider the deaths that would result from the denial of services. The main problem is, absent analysis like this, these deaths are the unseen. These people would be gradually dying of cancer over the next several years, and therefore it would ordinarily be difficult for it to show up in the statistics. But their lives matter too. 
ads are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit. And so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. So we have another Supreme Court ruling, and this one has spawned way more fear-mongering than it should from both sides. In what's being called the Faithless Elector Ruling, the Supreme Court ruled in Chiafalo v. Washington that states can require electors to vote for the presidential candidate who received the most votes in the state. All this did was maintain the existing precedent. Although it's still a bad idea, the way it works is, voters vote for a slate of electors in their state. Those electors go on to elect the president. There are two reasons for it. One was that the founders absolutely did not want a president to be elected by popular vote, because they understood the tyranny of democracy very well. But they also didn't want one elected by parliamentary procedure, since that would make the president subject to the will of Congress. So instead, in addition to voting for congressmen and senators, voters select an equal number of electors, who then go on to make up the Electoral College, a sort of parliament whose one and only job is to select the president. This avoids the problems of direct democracy, while also avoiding the problems of parliamentary selection. The other is to correct for any issues that arrive after the election. By the time the electors meet and vote, they would have a lot more information about the candidates and the current political situation than the voters did back on election day. If there's a sudden scandal, they can change their vote to a better candidate. Justice Elena Kagan, still bucking for the title of most idiotic justice ever, penned the case for the court, who voted unanimously in favor of the ruling. She said, quote, All that they put down about the electors was what we have said, that the states would appoint them, and that they would meet and cast ballots to send to the Capitol. Those sparse instructions took no position on how independent from, or how faithful to, party and popular preferences the electors' votes would be. The problem is, the Twelfth Amendment, which she quoted, says that the votes of electors shall be sealed and transmitted to Congress where they are counted. The only way sealing a ballot makes sense is if they are secret ballots, so you're not even supposed to know if an elector has been faithless or not. Hilariously, she based her ruling in part on the TV show Veep and the musical Hamilton. Of the electors, she said, quote, They have no ground for reversing the vote of millions of its citizens. But what she didn't seem to consider is that this is what the current status quo of winner-take-all does. In my home state of North Carolina in 2016, there were some 4.7 million votes cast for president. 2.4 million went to Donald Trump, and 2.2 million went to Hillary Clinton. 
So even if we don't consider the votes that went to Gary Johnson, that means that if the electors represented the vote of their citizens, then eight of North Carolina's 15 electoral votes should have gone to Trump and the other seven to Hillary. Instead, Trump got all 15. So does that mean those 2.2 million votes for Hillary were reversed by Hagan's so-called logic? She doesn't have the first clue why the Electoral College exists or how it works today. With that said, the ruling is pretty much a nothing burger. All it does is keep things the way they are. But you have all the misrepresentation in the media from both sides giving people the wrong idea. For example, the headline in the New York Post reads, Supreme Court rules presidential electors must back their state's popular vote winner. That is not what was said. The ruling said that the states can require that their electors back the winner, not that they have to. States can allow for faithless electors if they want. It's interesting that the Supreme Court even bothered to hear the case, even though this was due to just 10 faithless electors in 2016 who didn't even come close to reversing the results. In fact, the only time in American history that faithless electors even mattered was in 1872, when Democratic voters chose electors for Horace Greeley, who died before the Electoral College voted. The electors' votes went to different candidates, but it didn't matter since Ulysses S. Grant easily had enough electoral votes to gain the majority. But think of all the valid and important cases the Supreme Court just denied cert for. And this is the one they heard? Only to change nothing? If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Piracy is to give people quick, easy, and cheap access to movies and TV shows. So it comes as no surprise that a Netflix blockade actually boosted people's searches in piracy. In January of 2016, Netflix expanded its worldwide offerings greatly, including to Indonesia, but by the end of the month, the country's largest ISP had blocked the service, and most Indonesians could no longer access Netflix. The blockade stayed in place for more than a year. Researchers used this block to see how Indonesians' habits regarding piracy searches compared, compared to countries where Netflix launched and stayed available. Well, the results should be surprising to no one. Indonesians searched piracy sites more and more. They found, quote, 
Applying the synthetic control method to data from Indonesia and 40 Asian countries where Netflix entered and remained available, we find that Netflix's unavailability in Indonesia leads to a 19.7 increase in piracy search in Indonesia relative to the other countries. They didn't measure piracy directly, just Google searches for piracy-related keywords. They ended up being much higher in Indonesia, whereas in other countries, searches for pirated material decreased significantly. In fact, according to the researchers, illegal pirate sites might have lost millions of visits simply because of Netflix's introduction to the country. Quote, our findings indicate that the introduction of OTT services is an effective way to discourage people from searching for piracy. And the interesting thing was, it didn't just affect titles that were available on Netflix. People were searching for other pirated content as well. Which is interesting, because it indicates that the mere presence of Netflix decreases searches for piracy for all titles across the board, not just the ones they can find on Netflix. Whereas if you block Netflix or restrict people from watching it, they'll go to pirate not just Netflix titles, but all sorts of others as well. Well, it makes sense. People become habitual pirates. It's an easy, effective, and practically free way of getting the material. People would rather use a service like Netflix because it's quicker and easier to use, and people also like conforming to the laws and rules of society. But if they're denied that, they'll go searching for piracy. People are willing to pay a reasonable fee rather than take the content in an unauthorized way. We need to put a stop to all these different expensive services and DRMs and things like that and make streaming content available for the most people. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to deauthorize this week's Biggest Bogan Emitter. Years ago, we on this podcast decided to minimize the number of cops behaving badly stories because if we covered them all, we wouldn't have time to talk about anything else. There were just so many of them. But these stories are finally hitting the mainstream limelight. And now, for the very first time, the Department of Justice has delivered the results of a pattern and practice investigation of, in this case, the Springfield Police Department's Narcotics Bureau. 
An officer and a detective are facing federal charges for beating and spitting on two Latino teens in 2016, and the officer has been charged with writing a false report. The DOJ's investigation shows that this was not merely the result of a couple of bad apples, but typical for the Narcotics Bureau. Quote, The indictment alleges that the sergeant kicked one of the youths in the head, spat on him, and said, Welcome to the white man's world. Further, the sergeant allegedly threatened to, among other things, crush one of the youth's skulls and effing get away with it, effing bring the dog back, and let him effing go after a youth, effing kill one of the youth in the parking lot, charge a youth with a murder, and effing make it stick, and that he would stick a effing kilo of coke in one of the youth's pockets and put him away for effing 15 years. The indictment also alleges that during interrogation, the sergeant pointed to blood on his boot and told one of the youths that if he lied, the youth's blood would be on the sergeant's boot next. The DOJ determined that this was routine behavior for Narcotics Bureau officers. It uncovered numerous examples of excessive force and said that there was probably many more examples than that because of habitual underreporting. Also, if the Narcotics Bureau were all innocent and lily-white, you'd think they'd be all too willing to cooperate with the investigation. Instead, quote, Although we attempted several times, we did not individually interview any Narcotics Bureau commanders or officers currently serving within the Narcotics Bureau. SPD informed us that Narcotics Bureau command staff and officers were unwilling to engage in one-on-one -on -one interviews with us. G. They found... Narcotics Bureau officers regularly punch subjects in the head and neck area without legal justification. The routine reliance on punches during arrests and other encounters that we discovered during our investigation indicates a propensity to use force impulsively rather than tactically, and as part of a command and control approach to force rather than an approach that employs force only as needed to respond to a concrete threat. Contrary to law, SPD policy, and national standards, Narcotics Bureau officers routinely resort to punching subjects' head areas with closed fists as an immediate response to resistance without attempting to obtain compliance through other less serious uses of force. Out of all 84 Narcotics Bureau prisoner injury files from 2013 to 2019, roughly 19% of the uses of force reviewed included punches to subjects' heads, and approximately an additional 8% involved injuries to subjects' heads from another form of a head strike. In a significant number of these cases, such force was unreasonable. These incidents are merely examples and are not atypical within the Narcotics Bureau. We found multiple incidents in which officers used head strikes following a pursuit, even when officer reports suggest the subject was already subdued. A former Narcotics Bureau officer reported that people know that if you mess with the SPD or try to run, you get a beatdown. Incident reports we reviewed support this officer's observation. And they weren't done. Quote, we reviewed incidents in which officers' failure to identify themselves resulted in pursuits that ultimately escalated into unreasonable uses of force. In two nearly identical situations we reviewed involving vehicle pursuits, the drivers stated that they did not immediately stop their vehicles because they did not know that the plainclothes narcotics bureau officers in pursuit were in fact officers and instead feared that they were being chased by criminals. How many times have we heard that story? The narcotics officers were in unmarked cars and did not activate their lights. 
Once the drivers did eventually stop their cars, in one case because an officer in a marked cruiser came on scene and activated his blue lights, and in the other case because the individual collided with another car, the police then used unreasonable force to effect the arrests. They also found numerous cases of fraudulent police reports which contradicted the body camera footage. They placed the blame largely on SPD policies and the department's unwillingness to hold officers accountable. And this is Trump's DOJ saying this. In fact, they did all the work for me. The only thing left for me to do is to name the Springfield Police Department's Narcotics Bureau this week's biggest bogan emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's ionize this week's... Idiot It's another complete failure of a simple IoT device. PetNet is a cloud-enabled automatic pet feeder system. It was more than just a simple automatic pet feeder. The online service provided services a lot of people liked. The users who wrote to ours said they most valued the push notifications, which would tell them that a feeding had successfully taken place when they weren't home to observe it. Others liked the fact that they could remotely trigger a manual feeding. Now, you may notice I'm using the past tense. That's because the service went offline back in February. After a week of connection issues, during which time PetNet was completely unresponsive to customer complaints, service was restored, but it was still spotty. By this time, the COVID-19 lockdowns were beginning, and that inhibited efforts to get the service back online. By April, it seemed like everything was just done. The service had been out for weeks, and the company was unresponsive. Then, on April 24th, the company sent out an email to its customers saying that it had to reorganize because of COVID-19 and the resulting lack of funding. They gave their users a survey, asking users how they would feel about paying a subscription fee of $4 a month or $30 a year. Some users signed up for the deal, and service was restored on June 10th. But users still complained that they couldn't access the service. Several users reached out to ours saying they feel they've been scammed and claiming the support email no longer exists. Ours readers confirmed that the basic functionality of the feeder remained intact and it fed their pets every day, but they couldn't connect to the device or control it with the app. Several users voiced similar complaints on Twitter. And this included people who paid the $4 a month. 
There isn't really an ending to this story, other than the fact that CEO Carlos Herrera seems to be the only remaining employee at PetNet and isn't responding to calls, even from journalists at ours. They recommend that people who paid the money contact PayPal or their credit card to get the charges reversed. It's a misadventure, but one that really points out the main problem with IoT devices or anything else that requires a service provided by a third party. What happens when that third party goes away? Nothing lasts forever. Even Woolworths closed down. But Woolworths customers still had the full functionality of the products they bought from them. But if, say, Amazon ever went under, how well would your Alexa work? Could you play the songs in your music catalog without the device connecting to Amazon to decode the DRM? What happens to your Google Docs if the worst happens? Open source projects are better, but there's still the question of what happens if people stop maintaining it. Really, the only service you can rely on is one you run yourself. It should be a law. Any hardware that requires a service to work will, sooner or later, become a doorstop. So all of that makes PetNet this week's... Idiot wraps up this in a hurry sally pop it into this time-saving micro flame oven cook a whole turkey in just under a day edition of the bogosity podcast i hope you enjoyed it if you did please keep this podcast going by subscribing and supporting in one of several different ways you can find at donate.bogosity.tv including paypal cryptocurrency or subscribing at patreon or Subscribestar to listen early and ad free also, please come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Radley Balco. Police today embody all of the threats the founders feared were posed by standing armies, plus a few additional ones they couldn't have anticipated. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, not commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins.